This is Tort Talk with Terrence A. Gross, a board-certified personal injury lawyer. Hello and welcome back to Tort Talk. This is the show where you hear about legal matters as well as current events, news, things that, well, you might be interested in and need to know about, or things that you have a lot of opinions about. And don't worry, you'll hear opinions here too. I'm Paul, I'm the person who owns the microphones in the studio, but the person who you really want to hear from, well, that's Terrence Gross of Gross and & Schuster. And Terrence, I'm so glad you're back in the studio. There's been a lot going on, and I think you've got some interesting stuff to talk about this week. Yeah, I think I'm getting off the uh, legal train and going to talk about something more current. Yes, yes. And there's, the, you know, sometimes watching the news, it gets a little bit on the depressing side, And but it's important to know what's going on in the world. And so I know you're Jewish and of course you follow the news and you have, you know, I want to say a, a stake or interest, but what's happening in the Middle East obviously will impact you in a different way than it impacts me. So can you give me your opinion, share your thoughts on what's happening in Israel right now? Yeah, all in 12 minutes, right? All in 12. I know, I know. It's a tight time window, but we'll do our best. Right, and we are limited. We try to keep these podcasts at 12 minutes. So you got the history of everything, and I've been looking at it, and there were some great articles on social media, but... You know, Israel was there long before anybody got there. And then, of course, uh, it was taken from them many times. And there were slaves back and forth, the Egyptians and, and so forth, the Romans and Greeks and and Turks and all kinds of people have come and gone over time. But there's always been Jews there uh, for thousands and thousands of years. Um, but at the end of the day, I just sum it up to a few things where we got today is it, it's good versus evil. I mean, really, what we just saw was the most evil side of Hamas. And I'm not saying all Palestinians are evil. Don't don't misquote me. The perpetrators, the jihadists, are all evil. And, you know, at any stretch, any type of war that we've ever known, what was done just a, a couple of weeks ago was was war crimes. At the, to say it nicely, but when you go into rock concerts, you go into a peaceful little kibbutz and you start beheading people and killing babies and raping grandmas and raping eight-year-old girls and and all these atrocities you just can't push that under the rug and say oh that's protest the plight of the poor palestinians that's not protest that's not the plight there's other ways of handling things and of course israel has to do something back and i think they've been shown a lot of restraint we're now sitting less than two weeks out and there hasn't been this you, uh, you know, boots on the ground, uh, Armageddon, that most of us would have thought. They're trying to let the Palestinian people who are not Hamas, not jihadists, to get out of the way because they are going to level the ground. They have to uh, exterminate uh, the Hamas just the, pretty much the way that we did with uh, ISIS, uh, you know, w- when they reared their ugly head uh, a few years ago. So just sitting there trying to call a truce or peace because they have some hostages or this, or there's pressure on them, it just can't be done. So there's the the, the, the historical roots are just so deep in, in the hatred. And really, uh, if you go back, just look at Gaza itself. Let me give you a quick history, not on, on all Israel, not on sure, sure. time, but I'll give you the, the Gaza uh, history, uh, the recent modern history, we would call it. 
So in the 1973 war, Israel won it. They they uh, beat uh, Egypt and so forth. And this land, by the way, abuts Egypt. It's a narrow strip of land. It's five miles wide, 25 miles deep, right along the sea. It's actually a very pretty uh, country along that coast. And um, they won it from 1973. Well, in 2005, uh, Sharon, who, who was the... Um, prime minister at that time, he wanted desperately to make an overture towards peace, so he unilaterally gave the Gaza Strip back, thinking, okay, this will help with peace. We'll no, no strings attached. We'll just do this. And to his chagrin and everybody else, it, it was just quite the contrary. In fact, we every year we host, our temple host, a uh, uh, emissary from uh, Israel. And at that time, we had a young man that was born and raised in the Gaza, Jewish, uh, had his own house and fruit trees and orchards, uh, very close to Israel, probably within a mile of uh, uh, the border. And his family refused to leave. Israel said, you have to leave. And they said, no, this is our home. And in the middle of the night, the Israeli soldiers escorted them out of Israel at gunpoint, his whole family, and they had to start life over again in a sleepy village known as Ashkelon. Now, Ashkelon is is on the sea. It's in Israel, just north of the Gaza. And before then, it, it was a sleepy, quiet town. Once they gave the Gaza Strip back, guess what happened? The rocket mortars were now in range, and the rocket attacks. So he was raised. He goes from there and then has you know weekly and daily bomb shelter things, the sirens go off. And even if you watch the press today, you'll, they'll refer to Ashkelon a lot because it's one of the closest cities to that, that border now. So it went from just being this peaceful, quiet paradise uh, to just almost daily bomb shelter sirens going off. And it's just part, the kids are raised with it. It's just part of their lives. So it's a really sad uh, commentary, uh, you know, if you, I, I've been to Israel twice. Many people are judging Israel. Never been there. I've been there twice. And the last time I went, I had a guide and I asked him. I said, instead of seeing all the ruins, I've seen that. I've seen this. Can you take me to an affluent Arab neighborhood in Israel? Number one. Number two. I only want to eat in Arab restaurants. So I went there, and there, and I, and, and they were they. I wore my Jewish star like I'm mm-hmm. wearing now. Mm-hmm. No problems. Food was great. People were friendly. But in the Arab neighborhood, he took us to an affluent. I saw Land Rovers. I saw Mercedes. I saw young women coming out of houses with their fathers wearing dresses, Mm. uh, Mm. driving cars. 94% of all pharmacists in the state of Israel are Arabs. Uh, People don't talk about it. And they don't speak up. You would say, why don't they speak up? They can't. Because of the brethren around them, they, mm-hmm. they, the, the, the retaliation. But they love living in Israel. They're quiet about it. They love it. Their kids are being raised in a Western democratic atmosphere where they get the, the women have free rights and could have pursue college degrees. And like I said, dress how they wish to dress, drive cars, have decent jobs, unlike what we see in all these uh, third world uh, Muslim countries where women are not even second-class citizens. You know, uh, a noteworthy thing I saw, that I've seen so many contradictions here, Paul, and again, yeah. there's so little time. I did see a banner that was being displayed on one of the campuses, and it was pretty much saying, 
you know, the gay student union for Palestine. Right, right. I'm thinking, all you people there, yeah. go over to Palestine, <laughs> yeah. announce that you're gay, and see what happens to you. I mean, if, if you live, you're, you're going to be in a clay dungeon. Yeah. So, so uh, the, the, uh, thinking, well, we're oppressed, they're oppressed. Uh, no, no. If, you, if you're gay and you're over in any Muslim country... You're probably dead. It's interesting because I think that they forget things like uh, Mahmoud Ahmadinejad, the then president of Iran, saying we don't have any gay people in Iran. Uh, Well, either you're saying something that's not true or you're saying something that is true and it's a terrifying way you got to that point. You know, I I think that it's a very easy thing to armchair quarterback, um, you know, people who live in that area. You know, I, I remember hearing a, an Israeli woman saying that she lived her life in 15 second increments because she was 10 seconds from her bunker or, you know, her home bunker where she could go like the bomb shelter. And she said, you know, if I hear that, uh, that alarm go off, I know I have five seconds to get my kid into that bunker. And like, I've never had to live like that, you know, and it's very easy, I think, for people to pick us you know, pick that kind of side, you know, like you can talk about the, the gay student union. Uh, being, you know, you know, we're pro Palestine. Um, when, if you were to be there yourself, in that you would not be able to be who you are. You know, and it's an incredible thing—the freedom that we get to experience, and we get to armchair quarterback that. Uh, and I don't think people realize what kind of a privilege that is. That, and you mentioned something else. So I, they interviewed a, a survivor of the kibbutz, and I guess his safe room was more stout than others. Right. And he he, he made it through uh, nine hours of just pandemonium. They could hear the <sighs> rifles and all that. But he made a point. Uh, they go, they go. well, where were you? And they go, I was in my child's room. They're your child's room. He says, yes, what we've done is when we build the house, all the child's rooms are the safe rooms ah. because it's easier for us to – on a second, get into their room while right. they're asleep, maybe, then try to rouse them. And, you know, so they, they make the, 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 probably the smallest child's room is your safe room with reinforced concrete, reinforced doors yeah, and, yeah. and, and all that. And uh, so all this, it's, it, it's, it's sad, but it's unfolding. Uh, I, I, we just had a uh, meeting in our temple the other day. I think our capacity is 250. I think we mm-hmm. have 400 people. Hmm. Uh, I would say the 400, 300 were non-Jews, which was nice. Okay. Pastors from all around Pensacola were there in support. And as we go on with our next segment, so if you've liked this, follow through with this, because as as it unfolds, uh, my theory is that the pendulum right now is pro-Israel due to the despicable deeds, no matter what the history is, mm-hmm. what you think what they what was done to these settlers and these young kids attending the concert is despicable. It, it it's it's it, in many ways worse than what happened at nine eleven. Maybe more equal to what happened in the Holocaust, but but at the same time, it it, it is it's pure evil, pure evil yeah. and barbarism. Uh, not negotiations, not meant for any overture uh, towards. Peace and and over time, Israel's tried. You don't think they want peace over there? You just don't know. They live in this environment and day by day. And uh, I think also there's many nations that could absorb. Like Egypt does not want to absorb any of these people from uh, from uh, Gaza. Uh, many of the refugee camps that have been there for 50 years is also because. Uh, neighboring uh, Arab nations don't absorb them. They want that there. They want the suffering. 
And, and Hamas wants the Palestinian people to suffer and suffer publicly. And we'll get into that in some of our next segments. But it looks like we're out of time. We are. This is Terrence Gross. I'll be back shortly. Yes, you will. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Make sure you listen to the next episode. We're going to continue on this topic. And if you are interested in any of the previous topics we talked about, it's just as easy as going back in the player you're looking at right now on the website and taking a look at the previous episodes. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll talk to you next week, Terrence. Thank you.